Podcasting is hard to do. It's hard to sustain. The trend in audio and in all content consumption is moving towards taking people on the journey with you as you're building something is the best way to get people excited about what you're doing when you launch it. A very new point of view that I have and maybe different from other advice that folks have heard, which is all good things require consistency and repetition and podcasting is no different. The discoverability of your show is not, it, it isn't in Apple. People aren't going to find it there. Progress over perfection. Don't think about it. Stop trying to make the cover art perfect. Just go and do it. Welcome to Inside the Podcast Studio, the show where we go behind the scenes with successful independent podcasters to teach and inspire you on your podcast journey. I'm your host, Rob Jay, and in this episode, you're going to hear from founder of The Wave and host of The Book Wine Club, Lauren Popish. Lauren gives a podcasting masterclass, especially around the topics of launching your podcast. She goes through the entire A to Z. So even if you have a podcast and you're thinking about relaunching it or launching a new season or even just releasing a new episode, there are so many tips in there. She talks about the benefits of researching your listeners so you know who your audience is, the importance of sharing your journey to get people excited and the best ways to repurpose your content to promote and grow your show. So now here's my conversation with Lauren. All right. So for people that don't know who you are, who is Lauren Popish? I am a founder. I'm the founder of The Wave Podcasting. And we recently launched a production arm of our company called Swell. So founder of both of those things and a podcaster, a podcast enthusiast, former interior designer, fiance. I'm all of those things. Okay, good. I like you brought fiance into that because I feel like everybody expects me, like they expect the answer has to be just to do with their podcast. And it's like, no, it's like, that's not your only thing. So I like that. Good. All right, cool. Um, So to get into how, so I guess before we get into, I know you have a podcast. Um, I actually listened to, I listened to one of the episodes that was about, uh, I think it was white fragility. So that was very interesting because one, I haven't read the book. It's on my to read, uh, to read list. Um, and then secondly, it was just, it was a fun show. But before we get into like any of that stuff, how did you get into podcasting? Yeah, I, at the time when I started thinking about podcasting, it was 2018, I believe. I was really looking for a place to build a personal brand. And I was really tired of social media. I just felt like I wasn't gaining traction. It didn't fit my best skills. Um, you know, I didn't want to be on a camera all the time. I didn't want to be taking pictures of myself. And I didn't want to be writing long form blog content. I really felt like it was a place that I could be authentic and share insight and just do something I was passionate about and let people know me in a way that I think we all, to some extent, have the desire to be known and and realized as unique individuals, as independent people. But I was also at the time struggling with some personal uh, challenges around public speaking. I had become kind of a late in life, fearful person around public speaking, even though I hadn't been my whole life. Uh, it really just came out of stress at work and having 
you know, a panic attack in a speaking, like in a work setting. And it really sparked this fear for me. So I needed to be able to express myself in a way that I felt like was safe. And podcasting felt safe because you have the ability to edit, right? So I I needed those things to come together. I wanted to build a personal brand and I wanted to feel confident using my voice again. And those two things led to me going out and purchasing a bunch of podcast equipment and before I even knew what I wanted to really talk about and building a studio in my in my apartment. Okay, so you built the studio in your apartment because I've heard the story about, you know, the studio you built here, it was really cool. And then you had people asking you like, hey, can I come record there? But so you yeah. built the studio like uh, before you started podcasting or during or like... Yeah, it's funny because... I do this a lot. And I think people who are maybe serial hobbyists or side hustler type people are like this, where you get this idea and you're like, I'm just going all in. Like when I decided (laughs) I was going to take up tennis again, I was like, I'm not just going to buy any old racket. I'm going to buy Nadal's racket. You know what I mean? So I I did that thing. I was like, well, I know I want to have guests. So I went out and just at the time, I, I had this great corporate job. I could put a little money into my hobbies. I just went out and spent a bunch and built a huge studio. And I'm telling you, I would come to work and I'd be like, does anybody, like, what should I be podcasting about? And I actually tried on a number of different concepts before uh, Book Wine Club really stuck and became the one that I talked about. I had a concept called Sister Cities, where I it was a podcast with my sister and I would tell her stories from the big city. I had a concept where that was about travel influencers, where I was interviewing travel influencers. And it all came down to being able to, to be able to produce something consistently. It had to be something that I loved and I could talk about nonstop. And the thing that was presenting itself at the time and still is, I'm just a bookworm. I just love reading. So that that became the topic but i got everything and sat on this equipment and had a studio you know months before i started podcasting um <laughs> which i don't i don't know if it's a good thing to be that way or a bad way but that's just the kind of person i am i mean i, I don't think it's a bad thing i think it would be a lot of effort if you had decided after you built it, ah, I don't want to do podcasting. And now you that's just have happened. this room yeah. that's, you know, yeah, yeah, that that would be bad. But the fact that you carried on and where you are now, I, I think it's, for, in hindsight, that is a great start. In hindsight, I mean, now all I do is, is you know, my job is podcasting. So it was it was worthwhile, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Before we dig into the wipe, so you have your podcast, the Book Club podcast, that's the one that you settled on. And then how long was that running before you decided, you know, I want to do something a bit more involved with podcasting outside of just this one? It happened really slowly and organically. So I was podcasting for about a year. And the first realizations I started to have about people's relationship to podcasting and how a podcast could be more than something for just me was when... I started getting requests for people to come into my studio and use my space. At the time, I was working in real estate. I worked in real estate tech. So I was really obsessed with space and thinking about the way that people were utilizing space. But more than 
the op- the business opportunity of having studio space, I was really intrigued about the people I was meeting just by being a hub for podcasters. Like the women who were coming through my doors, most of them were women, A, because my space was feminine. It was my own home. So it, it looked like me. It had a feel that I think is more appealing to women. And so I was just meeting these interesting people who would come to the city who, you know, needed a place to podcast and had heard through the grapevine. I mean, that's how, like, what is word of mouth as a concept? I mean, when was the last time you found something not on the internet? But that's how much need there was for inexpensive, equipped studio space that also didn't feel cold and studio-y and wasn't a couple hundred dollars an hour as a result. So the need was there, but the people I was meeting were just interesting. I mean, I have to give you an example. A person that I met that I felt like, wow, this is this is a, a point of connection. This is a way to to find a community of people I would never meet before. This woman studies death and helps helps in, individuals visualize their own death before it happens so that they can appreciate their life, like find more presence, find more meaning in their current life, but like literally puts them through, you know, death visioning exercises. And she's a doctor and she's, this is her specialty. She speaks on this. So she came over and I just was blown away by the kind of people you can run into in the podcasting setting. That's when I started to envision the fact or imagine going beyond my own show connecting more people to space when they needed it and connecting more people to each other to help them, you know, see how incredible podcasting can be for learning new things, meeting new people, experiencing new things. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. And I would say just from the fact of having a podcast on a smaller scale, but it's the same experience, like you get to meet so many cool people and you get to talk to them for, you know, an hour that yeah. you normally wouldn't get that opportunity, right? Like, could you just meet a stranger on the internet and be like, hey, would you call me for an hour and let's just talk? That doesn't happen. So no. giving someone the opportunity to do that. I, I guess vice versa for you as well, right? Because people get to come to your space and they get to talk to you and you know all these other people. So it's like this whole, you're kind of like the hub of that community. Yeah, exactly. It's also, I can't impress if you, if for individuals who have not been on podcasts, I suppose everybody listening to your show probably is a podcaster, but the intimacy of these conversations, right? You put on your headphones, you're not distracted. All you can hear is the other person's voice. I mean, especially in person is also like the dynamics of reading body language and just like only hearing their voice and things like that. I mean, I was meeting with friends that I had known a long time, but coming out of an hour long conversation, feeling changed, you know, feeling like we had a deeper, more connected relationship. There's not a lot of things that could do that for, for people right now. And I think uh, just the amount of distraction is a, is a barrier to real connection. So uh, podcasting is unique that way. Yeah, I would agree. And with you just saying that, it just crossed my mind that, the only time that I actually have my phone on mute and I like, I even kick the dog out of the room. So it's just quiet with headphones on is when I'm doing a podcast. And the rest yeah. of the time, there's always, there's always something. It's always you know, the there. The TV's on or you've got, yeah, you got your, you know, you've got your laptop on your lap, but then you've got your phone in. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. But yeah, this is literally 
probably one of the very few times where you have like a one-on-one conversation and there is no distractions. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to take for granted mm, or, or yeah. not realize how rare that really is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we could probably end it there and that would be, that would be a good enough show because <laughs> somebody is going to be like, oh, I never Everybody's thought Everybody's gotten what they need from it now. Yeah. <laughs> Go home, folks. <laughs> Yes, I know, I know. You really want to get back to the conversation, but I just wanted to make sure, but if you've made it this far into the episode, then I just wanted to make sure that you never miss another episode of Inside the Podcast Studio. And I just wanted to remind you that to do that, you can simply go to your podcast app and either hit the subscribe or follow button, depending on your podcast app, to make sure that you get the latest episode of this podcast delivered directly to the podcast app on your phone. And now let's get back to the conversation. So before we get a little bit more into the wave, I listened to the interviews, like you said, you've been on podcasts. So I listened to some of the ones that you've done because I don't want to just ask the same questions because then, you know, people can go elsewhere and listen to a conversation you had and it's different and it's new. So one of the questions, one of the things that you said in an interview was that um, when you were starting like the wave, you know, officially, you you did, you know, research into the community and, and what do people want and, you know, who who are your audience, essentially. So talk to me a little bit about that. And then what that made me think is, do you think people who are starting a show should take a similar approach to find out if there is that audience for or who is the audience for that show? Good question. This technique of conducting user research came from my career as a software product manager in a, at a real estate tech company. And when you're building something for someone else, the kind of primary principle that any designer or developer or product manager follows in, in using mod- the modern development strategies is you can't assume that you know what to build for people. You are not a stand-in for the people you're building things for. You might be someone like the people you build them for. You might have, you know, been the reason that you decided to start a company or decided to start a podcast. I run into podcasters like that all the time when I ask them, who is your listener? It's like, well, I'm making the podcast that I wanted when I was looking for a new job, when I was trying to improve my health. I'm trying to fill a gap that I couldn't find. But you are still not your listener. You have biases that that are there and exist. So I do think that taking removing your own uh, preferences and biases from the content or the products or whatever it is you're producing for someone else and letting them tell you what they need is an important part of creating something that people actually want. You're not just assuming and then you know, wondering why people won't come. So um, I conduct user research at the beginning, pretty much anything I do and continue it throughout. At the time, I was trying to see, I had an assumption that people wanted good, better studio space. And that, you know, maybe the biggest barrier for people starting podcasts was a confidence issue, that it was a intrinsic issue. And I went out and I interviewed a lot of women and that wasn't true. It wasn't untrue. Some some women do lack confidence to build podcasts, but many women do not lack the confidence. What they lack is certain insight or information about the equipment, about this and that. What I realized really quickly is that no one solution or one 
leaning towards space or leaning towards uh, one kind of resource was going to help everyone. I needed to, if I was really going to help many women start podcasts, I needed to help them at every phase and I needed to help them in both a technical way and a uh, emotional, mental way. I needed to do both. And those were kind of the, that was the, the answers that I got from that. But I'm glad I did it because when I came into it, I already had a sense or a thought about the way these would go. And, and I think you'll hear a lot of podcasting experts talk about building content. The same thing can be applied to, to your podcast content, right? You don't have to build a company to conduct user research or want to build a product. Your content is meant to be consumed by other people. And so the podcasts that get downloaded, that get saved, that get sent around, that have high, high engagement and perform well are the ones that people want to listen to. Now, did some of those people just guess right and build something that it turned out a lot of people wanted to listen to? Absolutely. But even though we're in the early days of podcasting, there's still 2 million podcasts on Apple Podcasts. You know, a lot of the early ideas for shows have been done. So instead of just assuming that you know what folks want and and hoping that they'll come, I would definitely recommend podcasters conduct user research and go out and ask your target listener the kinds of content or the problems that they want solved. Ultimately, people seek out information to solve a need, right? To, to fill a need, to solve a problem. And uh, if you can do answer the questions that your target listener has or provide the things that they feel like they're missing, like, for example, if your podcast is strictly an entertainment podcast and or a lifestyle podcast, which many are, make sure that you're serving those people in the way that they need to be served, that they want to, you know, receive content. The first thing I would ask that I think a lot of podcasters would be surprised by or maybe adjust their content in in response, how long do you want to listen to a podcast? Because sometimes our listeners want more efficiency from us. And yet we want to talk and talk. And here I am just talking and talking. We love it. It's fun. It's the it's the best part of podcasting. But is that always what our listener wants? Not always. So sometimes, yes. Joe Rogan's listeners would say, keep it coming. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe your own listener doesn't. So the concise response to your question is, absolutely ask if you're creating something for someone else don't assume you know what they want ask them what they want that that is definitely great advice and i would say on the joe rogan part from like my personal you know experience is that i listen to joe rogan but i listen to joe rogan in the same way that i watch a show on netflix that has loads of seasons it's like i don't want to listen to three hours i just want to listen to 20 minutes and i want to know there's another 20 minutes you know tomorrow and I just yeah. want that to keep coming. So I never run out of content. But yeah. yeah, I think if I had to make a free, if I have to listen to a three hour long podcast each day, like each day, that is, mm -mm. I don't think there's, no. surely there's nobody doing that. I'm sure there are, but, but yeah. Yeah, I want to yeah. know where their priorities lie and why they aren't doing something else. That's what I want to know. Maybe they're doing a lot of driving. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. That might be that might be his target audience that nobody knows. It's just truck drivers. Yeah. <laughs> Long haul truck drivers. Yeah. There you go. Nailed it. It all adds up. 
Yeah. It, no, it, it definitely, it definitely does all add up. And again, that goes to your point of user research, right? Like how you, if you, if you don't know, you don't exactly. know. So go, go and find exactly. out. Your target demographic. And I'll, I'll just say when you, when you ask them also, like not just what they want to hear, but where they hang out online, what groups they're a part of, your marketing to find new people who would be interested in your podcast becomes a lot easier too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So one other thing that I heard you say along a similar vein when you, when you were starting wave and, and I don't remember the context, but it caught my ear, which was that you said, and I wrote, I wrote it down. Uh, so you said that one of the goals of wave was to help focus on the why. Um, and I just wanted you to dig into a little bit about that. Cause I think I get what you were saying and it definitely spoke to me, but for the people that are listening, like why is focusing on the why important? Yeah, it's really simple. Podcasting is hard to do. It's hard to sustain. Everybody thinks that the most difficult part is the learning curve that comes from starting it because so many of us have never dealt with audio equipment or editing software or hosting platforms. So that learning curve feels tough. And when you master it, there's this incredible sense of accomplishment. You see your episodes showing up in the directories and it's you feel that sense of accomplishment and maybe even like the hard part is over. And yet, just like everything that we know in life, that to get the best results requires consistency and repetition, like going to the gym and making the same good health decisions about the food that you eat and consistently maintaining your relationships instead of just calling once a year and expecting a, a friendship to continue to thrive. All good things require consistency and repetition, and podcasting is no different. So in order to get you coming back to the mic and doing all the things that are you need to do to produce a high-quality podcast and let make you choose to do those hard things instead of watching Netflix or listening to a different podcast that you love, it takes a, a motivation that is intrinsic. And by intrinsic, I mean, it comes from a deeper place that is getting you up out of bed, getting you off the sofa, you know, pushing you to stay up another hour to finish your show. Because the, if you didn't, you would something, you would lose something greater than just a listener or a dollar or the potential to make a dollar because those things, there's quite a bit of research that those things aren't the ultimate motivators for us. At the end of the day, you'll just say, Hey, it's not worth it. My life is worth more. My relationships are worth more. I, my comfort is worth more than staying up and working on this podcast or continuing to do these things week after week, month after month. So in order to do that, you need a deeper why. And there is a why that many of us come to when we start a podcast, but maybe we haven't verbalized it, or maybe we haven't formalized it. Maybe we haven't realized that the reason that I started my podcast in the first place was to help me become more confident speaking. Even though it's a book club podcast where we drink wine, it wasn't about becoming a better reader. That wasn't the true reason I started the show. It was to help myself feel more confident Hmm. If I can turn back to that why on the days that I'm tired, on the days that I don't want to do my, you know, produce my show, that I'm not, I don't feel mentally ready to have a conversation, whatever it is. If I can return to that, 
I will find the motivation I need to keep going. And guess what? Two years down the road, 50, 50 episodes banked, 100 episodes banked, you are going to see the outcomes that you thought were why you did it, right? You're going to see that that audience grow. You're going to see the opportunities for monetization. You're going to see all of those things. But those things alone can't motivate you to get the results. That's the, you know, beauty and the curse of, of some of these things. It's like the money can't motivate you, but in order to make the money, you got to find the motivation. It's it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg type thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think so. One one of the things that um, Travis and a couple of other people I've heard say is the same thing is that you you have to not focus on the the money part of it. You have to focus on giving value. And then you give the value and then the money part follows, which is, you know, the same as just similar to what you said. But I felt like, I feel like, yeah, it is, it is definitely, you know, you, you do the thing that you want to do and you give people value because if you're not giving value, then nobody's going to pay you to do anything in the first place. So yeah, most of us find purpose when we help other people. That's just true. So a lot of folks start podcasts to help educate others, to help, uh, you know, help others not have to go through the challenges or the struggles they went through by providing information, by making other people laugh, by helping them connect more with their families. But we find a lot of purpose in, you know, helping other people get something from our show. So if you can, you know, I guess I would say even go beyond the why and ensure that your why has impact on others you're going to find it a lot easier to to get over those that hump of of getting through the production hustle because no podcaster listening can deny that podcasting to create a good podcast it takes a lot of time and effort it's not an easy thing to do for sure that's why there's 2 million podcasts and you know like i don't know what the statistic is but 90% of them haven't released an episode in a year or something like that so exactly if it was easy everyone would still be doing it yeah exactly we got to get more than that <laughs> right more than 10% we will we will like like you said it's early days right it's early days yeah so i i have a bunch of questions that i want to ask you about podcasting that i think people would be interested to hear but before we get into that i want to um, just speak a little bit more about the wave because there's definitely going to be people listening that are like, what is this? And obviously, you know, in the show notes, they can go and have a look and they can go and find out. But something that I'm interested in is somebody comes to the wave and they're like, I have this idea. I want to start a podcast, you know, and then like, I don't know the the terms that you would use, but let's say, you know, they sign you, you sign them up as a client or, or however you would word it. You know, what, what does that process look like from they come to you to, you know, their first episode is published? Cool. Yeah. So we, we do. We help podcasters, specifically female podcasters, at multiple phases of their journey. Some come to us at that at that place where they're like, I just I want to start a podcast. How do I start? And we will walk them through the the beginning to end process to get that you know first episode, see it on a directory. But we also catch people who have been producing their podcast for a period of time and no longer want to take do the tedious production tasks for themselves. That can be a growth strategy as well, right? To, to, you know, get back some of your time in the production process and use it to promote your show. So we get women at both phases, just starting and looking to grow or take away some of the tasks that are preventing them from doing 
other things like growing their show or growing their business, whatever it is. What it looks like is we we have our own client portal. And so we try and manage everything transparently and in a very clean and, and uh, user-friendly way. It should feel like every other web tool that you sign up for and use and manage online. So uh, we bring people in, we sign them up with an account. And then we typically for women who are at the beginning of their journey, we start off with a long kickoff call. And it's it's kind of a brain dump, right? It's a big uh, question and answer session. We're asking about those, we're digging for those, the answers to those questions that you and I were talking about. Why did you start this? What's the impact you want your show to have? What can people expect or take away from your show? What do you want them to have when they leave? All of these things that maybe uh, these podcasters or future podcasters haven't asked themselves yet, but will be important to turn back to in the future. We help them create a listener persona. So identify that, that individual who they're creating content for. We help them write the copy that uh, will help them become discovered and attract the right people. So it has the right keywords. It's, it's uh, you know, optimized for discoverability online. That's an important part of just any copywriting these days. And we help them create their cover art. So we either use an existing brand palette, or we help them develop a new look for their show. And again, optimize it for discoverability online, because we view podcast cover art, it's about the size of a stamp when you when you see it on your phone. So it has to be really legible. There's all of these things to, to consider to kind of set your podcast up for some success from the very beginning. Um, and then the next thing we do is uh, an important part of our process is we conduct a competitive analysis that's pretty robust. So we go out and we identify shows that are either targeting a similar audience or are dealing with similar topics. And we look at all the components of their show, including how long each episode is, how frequently they post, the topics they cover, their style, the tone of the show. Is it serious? Is it humorous? And we help our podcaster identify her differentiating aspects. So it's important, I think, if you're going to be a show and you're going to go out and talk about topics that are already covered, you need to bring something unique to the table or else that listener could just go to listen to that other show that's been there a little bit longer than you have. So differentiating and finding what's unique or um, finding the niche demographic that you want to tailor to that maybe doesn't have a lot of podcasts tailoring to them um, is an important part of creating a show these days, I believe. And, uh, and then we move people into creating a, a trailer, which is like, you know, the promotion of your show before it's ready to go. It allows us to submit to Apple podcasts and get our show through the approval process before we have episodes ready. And an important part of launching a show is building the hype beforehand. So you're getting people excited. You're, you know, we call it breadcrumbing, right? We're leaving a little trail of information about your show to get people really excited so that by the time it launches, there's an influx of activity, downloads, subscriptions, um, follows, uh, likes, shares, all of those things. Uh, so, so we, we do that and we help them write a script and show them the equipment they should use to record it. Recording the trailer is kind of like the dress rehearsal to recording the podcast. And we're able to really help the podcaster through that. 
And then we work through a content calendar for a for the upcoming months, how, how they want to structure their show. They get it scheduled, they record it, and then we take their their early materials and we produce it for them. So we add that music and uh, edit it and make it sound really good and uh, help them launch. So that's that's uh, kind of what the some specifics about how we work with our podcasters, but who are at the beginning phases, I would say. But for podcasters who come to us who already have a show, our goal is to take time away. That's not, I, I guess, taste, take tasks away. Yeah. Take tasks away so you can get time back. So it's all about doing work for our podcaster, podcasters, learning their style and matching them with good editors and production uh, people. All of our staff are female. So we are a uh, for women by women um, and we try to deliver content uh, in a way that doesn't require a lot of assistance or time. Um, we're just really there to serve the podcaster in the end. That is a very um, comprehensive like production experience. So I didn't know how much detail. You, no, I mean, feel free I mean, to edit any of that out. <laughs> no, it's re it's really interesting because it's ba it literally is. You know, if if you were to take a course online, essentially the course would tell you what to do, but you actually walk people through how to do it. Like to me, it sounds like what would happen if I was a celebrity and I wanted to start a podcast. I don't do any of that stuff. I just right. be like, give me a mic. I'm going to record the stuff and then you guys do the rest. So exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. Very interesting. Very interesting. I like to think that one of the things that we do that's a little bit different than because there's a lot of production services out there. Obviously we, part of our thing is that we tailor towards women, but about a year ago, I put out a huge ebook on podcasting, like beginning to end how to start a podcast. And um, we use that book as the guide for our podcasters. So not only do we take them through and we kind of like do a lot of it for them, but they can see their trajectory. They can read about everything we're doing. We never, nothing's behind a curtain. And then we pop out and say, look, it's magic. Look what we did. There's always documentation about the right way to do it. If they ever wanted to go back and change it, there's templates, uh, you know, so it's, we try to make everything feel not, not like it's so mystical and hard to do that you have to hire someone to do it because it isn't. We just try and, and help people see the the process for themselves and allow them to go on the journey with us and 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 track it as they go. So that's something that I really love about our process is you could buy the ebook and do it yourself, right? But for the individuals who want the assistance, they always know why we've done something, the logic behind it and the trajectory where we're going. So I I am proud of that particular aspect of the business too. No, you should be. Yeah, it sounds great. And and to your point, like I'm probably one of the people that would be like, I'll read the book, but that's mostly because I'm I'm very frugal. So I'll be like, I'm going to read the book. I, I'm not going to pay for services. But at the same time, knowing what a podcast involves now, in hindsight, if that service was available, I would be like, I would probably it's worth the investment. Yeah, because well, podcasting is a whole thing. Person too, right? I did. Yeah, I didn't yeah, hire sure. anyone to help me, and now I help people do it. So it's like. It's, it's not, and to your point, we try and help, we try and have things for people who are at every place 
you know, financially, but also in the way that they like to learn. Like some people are just self-learners. They just like it that way. So we have a ton of free resources. So if you want to go out and teach yourself, like more power to you. If you want the book that has all the templates, so it's like, have Z done for you. Great. And if you want someone to do everything for you there, that's an opportunity too. But having the, having the option is an important part because like I said, I went out, I interviewed a bunch of women, assuming they would say one thing. And the response I got was, no, I like to learn. No, I want someone to do it for me. There's people at every (laughs) who have all those different preferences. So if you want to accommodate all of them, you got to offer the range. Agreed. And there's the importance of doing your research right there. Otherwise, yeah. you would only be accommodating a very small percentage. So. Exactly, exactly. We'll get right back to today's episode. But before we do, if you would like to get podcasting tips or tricks or hear about things that I've learned or interesting podcasting people that I found this week or even interesting podcasts that I found this week, then you can sign up to The Insider, which is my email newsletter. It comes out every Friday with everything in it that I just mentioned. Tons of great information in there. And you can sign up for that at Inside the Pod co slash insider. Now back to the conversation. All right. So I want to dig into some more. Um, I don't know if generic is the right word, but I'm going to use it. So generic podcasty questions. Cool. Obviously you, you have a ton of knowledge on this stuff. And one thing that I wanted to dig into, so you mentioned leaving breadcrumbs to launch a show so yeah. that, you know, when you launch it on day one, it's not just crickets. Mm-hmm. So do you have any specific strategies or, or things that you encourage people to do to kind of like, what, 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 does, what does that look like to you? It looks like a couple of things. If you have a, an existing audience, uh, an existing community, either because you have a business and your podcast is an extension of your business, or you already have a brand, then you should be using the platforms where your audience connects with you as the place to tell them what's going on. And I think for some reason, we're all, I think this is human nature. You'll hear people say like, I'm a perfectionist. It's really hard for me to show my process or reveal things ahead of time. I don't think one person is a perfectionist versus another. I think it is human nature to not want to, to show the best of ourselves, to make good first impressions. But we know that from, from so many examples that, that, Showing, taking people on the journey with you as you're building something is the best way to get people connected to the work you're doing and excited about what you're doing when you launch it. So as much as the pro of the process, recording for the first time, not being certain about your equipment, being excited when it comes in the mail and you're like, how do I like screw this thing into this thing? Like taking people on that journey with you, probably through social media is a really great way to get them excited about what you're doing. So show them your process. Don't just tell them when it's done. That would be if if you have an existing community, just take them on the journey with you. Let them know that you're starting a podcast in four months. Use that as the, or two months or one month. Let that be the motivator to keep pushing you to meet your own deadline. Because if you're like, oh, I'm going to do it eventually, it's very easy to let that time slip by. So, so if you're wondering what content or how to create or how, how to breadcrumb your launch, take people on the journey of the learning process with you. Take screenshots when you're recording your first interview, you know, give a preview of your, of your intro before it launches or show them the bloopers. Everybody wants that authentic behind the scenes experience. And that is a great way that by the time that it's ready to go, 
people are invested in your success. They want, they're excited that the show is finished because they saw how much, how, how much it took to create it. If you don't have an audience and you're trying to build something from the ground up, my best advice is to go to the places, to the communities where you think your target listener is and be there. Everybody says, show up, but seriously engage on those platforms. Is social media the best place for those new listeners? Um, some people think yes. I think there's actually a better way to find people who are more engaged through online communities like Facebook groups and, um, and, uh, you know, private, maybe even membership groups, depending on your niche, uh, where there's kind of a captive audience of people who could be interested in the work that you're doing, go be there and engage but the content can be exactly the same. Take them on the journey with you. Show them, ask questions like, you know, folks in this community, I'm starting a podcast. What are the kinds of things you'd love to listen to? Has anyone started a show before? What kind of equipment are you using? Take them on the journey with you and and go out and, uh, you know, find the places where your new listeners reside and take them on the journey. Um, social media isn't always the best place, I think, for building a, a new community. But if you have one, it's a great place to engage with them. Uh, and my one tip around, you know, when it comes to social and community building and audience building is, if you can, get them onto a, pr- a platform that is yours. In other words, collect their email. <laughs> and don't just collect their Instagram handle because you have a lot more and you will have a lot more control over the kind of marketing and promotion that you get to do to these people when you can reach them directly in their inboxes. And when you're not at the mercy of an algorithm, like on Instagram or Facebook. So any opportunity you can take to get them to sign up for something in advance, to get them something free in advance of the launch in exchange for their email is going to be the best way you'll see. It's the, it's the most high performing way to promote something so that when you launch, you can send a big email blast and there'll be a bunch of people ready and excited to listen to it when it goes out. That is great advice. I feel like you're definitely giving Travis a run for his money in terms of like my favorite episodes that I've recorded so far. Oh, I'm going to have to put that in his face a little bit. (laughs) Um, So, so one of the things that I like to ask people, so you've been doing this, you know, you've been doing podcasting for a while. You, you've like very informed in the space is probably the best way to put it. And for Mm -hmm. people that are listening. So one of the questions that I have is, are there any, or is there like a number one mistake that you see a lot of podcasters make that, you know, they come to you and they're like, you know, help me with this, help me with this. And, and there's always like this recurring thing that you think if people knew this, this is something they shouldn't do, or maybe it's something that they don't do that they should. Yes. There are a few things. There's, there's, I could go a lot of different directions on this. People make mistakes around, you know, quality and equipment. Like they cut, they make shortcuts in the wrong places. Um, some of it's around content and the way that you like think of your interviews and things like that. This is my current, a very new point of view that I have, but I think it's really important and maybe different from other advice that folks have heard, which is, I think the trend in audio and in all content consumption is moving towards shortness, speediness, quickness. And as smart home devices become more popular, I know that we 
They're not an integral part of our lives today, but I think they will become more intelligent and more integral to our our lives in the future, as will the audio capabilities of things like our cars, our um, wearable devices. Audio is going to become an important part of, of the technology that makes up our whole life. And when that technology is better at searching for audio, so combing it, pulling out informational nuggets and pieces of of content within long-form content, the audio content that will be successful is concise and informational. And so my recommendation to podcasters is if you're someone who's creating a very, very long-form podcast that is over 30 minutes, it's 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 75, 90 minutes, these interviews that go on and on, there's nothing wrong with that content. And there'll be listeners who continue to like it. But my recommendation to podcasters is to start thinking about creating your long form content in a way that can be clipped or reduced into micro content. So we still know that that YouTube has some of the best discoverability for audio and visual uh, video content. And yet we know that videos over 10 minutes don't perform well on YouTube. So how do you think of your 30 minute or 45 minute podcast episode as something that can be broken down into three or four 10 minute segments? How do you then think about those 10 minute segments into a, cause we know that Instagram likes one minute segments, or we know that TikTok likes 15 second segments. How do you then take that and condense it down even further? The discoverability of your show is not, it, it isn't in Apple. People aren't going to find it there. And as people are consuming audio in different, more quickie, snappy, um, talking into their phone and asking for quick results on different topics, they're going to want to find, make, easily find audio content that is concise. So think about how your content that is long form, keep doing the long interviews, keep having those intimate conversations and and feeling connected to people for an hour. Don't stop doing that. But think about structuring your interview, either, you know, use each question as a clear segment that can be repurposed into another format, or use audio transitions, music, things like that throughout your episode to uh, create clean breaks between concepts that are happening in your episode and start repurposing. There are a ton of apps out there that do it for you that can create audiograms. Um, you know, if you're using an editor, these, you know, people on our team, for example, are very well equipped to cut up audio and are thinking about doing that already. So if you're not repurposing your audio content into shorter clips and micro content that can be distributed on in places where the discoverability is better, like YouTube and Instagram, then you're missing out on a whole audience and you won't be prepared for a future where audio and high performing audio is under three minutes. I, I really like that answer because one, one, I agree with everything you just said, but two, one of the things that I've been facing is that, you know, I want to make reels from, from these things to promote the show and they're, you know, 30 seconds or 60 seconds. And then TikTok, like you said, you know, you've got 15 seconds, but then IGTV, I could go as long as I want, but nobody's probably going to watch it for 10 minutes. So then I have to get that down to like three minutes. So it's, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing to think about. 
But that is, yeah, that is a great way to break it down. I really like the idea about separating episodes just with sound. So you could have yeah. like a 45 minute episode, but it breaks it up really nicely. Absolutely. And what we found from an engagement standpoint, Travis uh, is has documented this well. You can actually see better engagement when you give people a short break between uh, just an audio transition between um, either questions or key concepts in your long episode um, because it resets them. A lot of people listen to podcasts while doing other things. So when you give them a pause, there is a uh, a recalibration that happens with the listener where they focus in again. And so you might actually see the rate of which people actually complete episodes to increase as you increase or or experiment with having breaks or segments within your long form episode. So there's multiple benefits. And then there's a clean place to take it and drop it on YouTube. YouTube, YouTube likes seven to 10 minutes. So, you know, if it, it, that's, that's doable, I think, for most podcasters to break it down into um, three or four chunks, you know, removing the intro and the outro. But if you can master your content creation of your podcast to serve those multiple platforms, and that's the thing, it might take a little bit of redoing some of the aspects that you do today. But if you can master that type of content creation, you'll be very well positioned in the future. Great answer. I have a couple of questions and then we can wrap. So one of them, which may or may not be very difficult. So I find it very difficult, but I don't know. We'll see. Is um, what are your top three favorite podcasts that you listen to right now? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That is tough. Um, okay, let me open up. Let me open up the podcasts. See, this is the thing. So I've asked this and some people have asked it back. And I'm like, I don't even, like, I listen to them, but I need to open up my podcast app to make sure that yeah. I'm naming the right ones because they don't come to mind. But I've might, yeah. I might have binged eight episodes today. You know, I also, and the thing is, like, I get kind of, because my job is to produce people's podcasts, I end up listening to a lot of our clients' podcasts and I get really hooked on it. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you three podcasts that are really just on rotation for me at the moment. Okay. One is called OK Sis. It's two sisters living in Los Angeles and these gals are clients of mine, but they are hilarious. They have such a dynamic between them. They talk about pop culture and all kinds of things. And I've just really loved getting to know them as people and also getting to listen to their show. Um, the second one I'll say is Locatora Radio. This is, again, two women who are Latinas, and they talk about being a Latin woman. So Latin culture, they bring incredible guests on. They are hilarious, and they're actually starting their own production house to bring out more female and diverse and Latin voices um, into the podcasting space. Their branding is incredible. Everything they do is so fun and visually exciting as well as uh, so enjoyable to listen to. And then the last one I'll say is the Pod Broads. It's called for our podcasters out there. This is a show about women in podcasting, but not necessarily just female podcasters. It's women who work in podcasting. So 
producers, writers, some work in broadcasting and TV, some are independent podcasters. I will say I have been on this podcast, but I'm not plugging it just for me. Uh, Alexandra, the host, is a friend and she really just goes beyond podcasting. I think she does a great job. And and if you're thinking about a career in podcasting, especially like maybe I want to work there, like maybe I want to do this full time. I think it would be a really good, insightful podcast to hear the different people involved in the entire production process. I would definitely be interested in listening to that. So I'm, I'm for sure going to check it out. Um, yeah. and, and to anyone listening, I'll link all of that in the show notes so they can go and check it out too. Um, Awesome. Okay. So I have one final question and then, and then we can wrap, which is, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a podcaster from all of your podcasting experience? If you've listened to interviews from me before I've said this, but it's, it's my mantra and it's progress over perfection. Just go and do it. Don't think about it. Stop trying to make the cover art perfect. Everything that you do can be revised and changed later. The most important thing is to start. We are not slowing down on podcasting, folks. There are new shows popping up every day, every week. If you're thinking about starting a show, if you're thinking about doing something on your show, don't delay. Just do it now. And even better, like we were talking about before, show the process of it. Show people when you fail. Show people when it succeeds. Take people on the journey with you as you're progressing on your own journey. Don't let perfection or the thought that something has to be this way, or it should look like something, or it should be of a certain quality. Don't let that stop you because eventually the doing, the act of doing becomes the thing that helps you perfect, not the thinking and the ruminating and all of that. So progress over perfection every day. Okay. All right. Another, another great answer. That That is a soundbite right there. <laughs> so in closing, um, where can people find you online? Where can they find out more about The Wave, all that good stuff? Absolutely. I am most active on Instagram. You can find me. I manage our account at The Wave Podcasting. And our website also has everything you need. If people still go to websites, it's thewavepodcasting.com. You can also find out more about our production service for women by women called Swell at that same address there as well website or Instagram. I'll be in the DMs if you need me. Huge thanks to today's guest, Lauren Popish. You can find Lauren on social media. You can find out more about The Wave Podcasting at thewavepodcasting.com. You can also find her free ebook over on thewavepodcasting.com about how to take your podcast from hobby to money-making machine. I highly recommend you go and check that out. And you can also find her podcast, The Book Wine Club, wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, All of those things are linked up in the show notes. You can just go check them out there or you can go to insidethepod.co slash episode nine. So you probably heard a couple of times in this episode, as mentioned, Travis Brown, who was episode one of this podcast. He's the founder of Poddex. He's at Poddex on Instagram. He's easily one of my favorite people in podcasting. So if you haven't checked him out and you are a podcaster, then you definitely need to be following him. So at Poddex on Instagram. And I also wanted to mention he has these super cool packs of cards called pod decks, hence the name. So if you get stuck in interviews thinking of questions to ask guests, or you want fun questions to ask guests, or you just want fun topics for solo episodes, all sorts of things, 
He has cards that have all of this stuff on it. You can check them out at poddex.com. This is not an ad. I do not get a kickback if you buy anything. Travis did not ask me to talk about Poddex on the show. In fact, unless he listens to this episode, and to be honest, I have no idea whether he listens to the show or not. If he listens to this episode, that is the only way he's going to know that I am talking about Poddex on the show, unless somebody goes and tells him. So if you're interested in something like that, go check it out at poddex.com. And even if you're not interested in the cards, I highly recommend you go and follow Travis over at at Poddex on Instagram because he drops, I don't know if it's every day or every other day, I don't know his release schedule, but every time he drops a post, it has so much value and is totally bookmarkable and is super useful if you're a podcaster. So go check him out. And as a plug for myself, if you haven't listened to episode one of this show and you enjoyed this episode that you just listened to, then I would highly recommend you go and listen to episode one of this show inside the podcast studio because if you enjoyed this episode then you are definitely going to enjoy that episode and again you can find the links to all of that in the show notes you can just go and head over to the show notes or inside the pod.co slash episode nine and that's it for this episode thank you for listening if you'd like to support the show you can do so with a coffee donation at inside the pod.co slash donate or by hitting the link in the show notes caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And also make sure you hit that auto download button so the next episode will be downloaded straight to your device and ready to go. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of Inside the Podcast Studio. You can hear the script writer and the, that's not cool. That's an amateur move. Okay, let me repeat that. (laughs) (laughs) A coffee and coding production. <sighs> <sighs>